I made it. Weighing close to 12,000 pounds, illuminated by over 30,000 LEDs, and covered in nearly 3,000 Waterford crystals. Oh my gosh. And thanks to Countdown Entertainment President Jeffrey Strauss, who oversees the biggest night of the year, I got a sneak peek. How did the tradition of dropping a ball at midnight get started? So it, it's amazing. It's a maritime tradition that started back in the 1800s when uh, ports around the world would drop a ball at noon down a flagpole so that navigators out at sea could adjust their timepiece to the local time. And then here in Times Square, we took this tradition to mark the beginning of a new year. That was back in 1907 in a newly established Times Square. The first one was made of iron and wood that 125 watt light bulbs. The ball changes in the technology, but what's great about this is the tradition remains the same. So when you and I are kids watching with our families and our cousins at our grandparents' house, it's the same tradition that we're celebrating today. A tradition that boils down to those final seconds. Is it a total frenzy? What was it up here? It's quiet. Because realize, the action's all down there. It's all 400 feet below us on the street. Up here, they're watching that clock. They're getting ready to go. Would you let me live out a dream of mine and press the button later? <laughs> it's a button that's been graced by many of the greats. Ali, Gaga, and now me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So this is it. Oh my gosh. Stage manager's gonna tell us, hands on the ball. He'll count us down. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! Good morning, Hope, and Happy New Year to all of you. Did anybody stay up late last night to watch the, the ball drop? Oh, you, yeah, you made it. Good job. I, I think I, I got to about 9.30, so it's good for me. I never really understood the, the allure of waiting up until midnight to watch the ball drop. It just didn't make any sense to me. I'm sure if you're there in person, it's a whole different experience, a lot of fun. But for me, it just didn't, didn't get why we watch a ball drop from a skyscraper on New Year's Eve to mark the new year. And that was until I actually spent some time in, in England last summer. So I was in Cambridge studying last June for a little bit. And then uh, my wife flew out, my wife Katie flew out to London. And we spent about four days just doing all the touristy things that you do around London, which basically meant I tortured my wife for four days, dragging her to every museum and 800-year-old building that I could find. On the last day that we were there, I thought, you know, she's been a good sport. Maybe I'll find something that she would love to do. So, of course, I dragged her to Greenwich, and we went to the Royal Observatory Museum. Wow, she really loved that. It was great. We, we got on the, the river ferry. We went up the Thames. I didn't know a whole lot about the Royal Observatory. Other than that, it's where you can get the picture where you stand on the prime meridian, that, that zero minutes longitude. Um, and you, get, you, know, you have a foot in the Western Hemisphere, a foot in the Eastern Hemisphere, and that's about what I knew. So we got there, and it's actually quite a hike up to where this observatory is. They built it uh, almost 500 years ago because they wanted to make better star charts for their shipping in, in, in England. Uh, just to make navigation easier for their shipping fleet. So they put this on the highest hill that they could find outside of London, and, and people would live there. Astronomers would live there and make better star charts. Now, when we started hiking up this really steep hill, we saw a, a small crowd gathered outside of the entrance, and we didn't know why they were there. They were all looking up at the top of the building where this red ball was standing on the top of the observatory. And uh, about five minutes until one o'clock, the ball started to kind of ascend up the pillar. And right at 1 p.m., it dropped. 
and the crowd started to kind of cheer a little bit, and then they all dispersed. Again, we had no clue why, what this was about. So we went into the museum, and we learned all about where this tradition came from. It turns out it only happens once a day. Uh, people kind of build their whole day around. If they're going to go see the observatory, they want to be there right at one to see the ball drop. We just sort of accidentally happened upon it, so that was lucky. Um, but we, we, we discovered that it was all, again, about, about their shipping industry and, and navigation, uh, because about 500, 400 years ago, 300 years ago, they didn't have, shipping didn't have longitude to navigate by. If you were going to go on a long voyage, you could calculate your latitude, your position relative to the equator by the position of the sun in the sky. So they could navigate based on latitude, but they didn't have any longitude. So latitude, and they were making these long voyages, they basically had to zigzag across the ocean so they wouldn't get lost. And it took a long time. It was not very safe. So this Royal Observatory in Greenwich thought, if we could figure out a way to calculate longitude, then we could, instead of sailing zigzags across the ocean, we could more or less sail a straight line. But in order to know where you are relative to the east and the west, you have to follow the, the rotation of the earth, which means that you need to know what time it is. That's how we know what longitude is. If you've ever, if you've ever navigated a large ship, You'll know that, that latitude is calculated in degrees, right? Degrees north and south, and then longitude is in minutes. But they didn't have clocks that worked on ships. You couldn't put a clock on a ship at that time because clocks all worked with pendulum. And a pendulum movement on a ship that's rocking back and forth doesn't work. The pendulum gets stuck to one side or the other, and immediately you lose track of what time it is. So the ro I promise we're going somewhere with this. So the Royal Observatory in Greenwich, because again, they're trying to help out their ships, they, they start a contest in the 1700s, and they, they call all inventors and, and scientists and engineers to, to manufacture a clock that would work on a boat. And they finally get this done. Now, the, the amazing thing about this is all of the different engineering attempts that they made at this. When you go into the museum, you see all the ways that they tried to figure out how they could put a clock on a boat. This is one that was really fascinating. We took a video of it because it's just a ball that goes back and forth on this track. And, and once it reaches the end of the track, the plate tips, and that's a minute. And this thing is like 300 years old, and it still just works fine. It doesn't work on a ship. I mean, you lose that ball and that's it. Like, you don't, it's kind of like that really expensive toy you got for Christmas and it's missing one piece and, and everyone just cries and it doesn't work right. So uh, that was pretty cool. Finally, in 1761, James Harrison invents this, his H4 marine chronometer. And it works basically the way that every clock since then before the battery worked, where you, you had to wind it with a key every day, and it would tighten a coiled spring, and that spring would unravel and, and turn flywheels and gears, and it would keep time even with the swaying of a ship. So 1761, they have their clock, they start to put it on boats, but now they need to develop a system for how they can use time to track their position, their longitude. So what Greenwich said is, well, since we invented the clock, we get to say where zero is. And they walked out the front door of the observatory and they drew a line straight south and they said, forever, this is where the prime meridian is going to be. There's no earthly reason why it's in Greenwich other than that. They just said it was going to be there. That's amazing. They just decided this is where we're going to start keeping track of time forever. France kind of complained, but nobody listened. Uh, and, uh, it's actually true. They got into a fight about it. Um, but now the prime meridian is forever in Greenwich. And this is where the ball comes in. So ships, you can see the, the Thames River goes uh, just south of this, uh, north of this, and as the ships are leaving port, 
They needed to know what time it was so that they could set their clock on their boat accurately. So as they're sailing out, getting ready to leave to the English Channel, they're looking up at the observatory and they're waiting and they're watching for this ball to drop. And so it starts to ascend slowly and they're waiting and they're watching and the ball drops and they know that right then it's exactly 1 p.m. So they can set their clock, wind it up tight and sail off without a care in the world. No more dangers except for icebergs and uh, uh, pirates and hurricanes and sea monsters and Uh, But if they ever hit those things, they knew exactly what time it would happen so they could write it down in their log. That's where the the history of the ball came in. It was fascinating to learn learn all about that. Uh, How good we've become at keeping track of the passage of time. And we still carry this tradition today every year that we mark, that, that, that progresses forward. This tradition actually gets memorialized in one of my favorite Disney movies of all time, Mary Poppins um, from the 60s. And Mary Poppins, has, uh, uh, she comes to live with the Banks family, and the Banks have a next-door neighbor named Admiral Boom. And Admiral Boom is a, a retired Navy officer. He lives right next door to them. And even though he's retired, he has a little bit of trouble letting go of all of this history and tradition. Uh, and so let's take a look at, at Admiral Boom. Now, this imposing edifice, for first greets the eye, is the home of Admiral Boom, fleet of His Majesty's Navy. Likes his our ship shape, he does. Ship shape and Bristol fashion at all times. Time gun ready. Ready in charge, sir. Three minutes and six seconds. Aye, aye, sir. What he's famous for is punctuality. The old world takes its time from Greenwich. But Greenwich, they say, takes its time from Admiral Boom. Watch here, Admiral. Good afternoon to you, young man. Where are you bound? Number 17. Got some parties here in tow. What wants to see it? Enter that in the log. Aye, aye, sir. A word of advice, young man. Storm signals are up at number 17. Bit of heavy weather brewing there. Thank you, sir. Keep an eye skinned. Tonight, aren't you, Admiral? Nonsense. Bang on the dot as usual. Hard things in the world of finance. Never better. Money's sound, credit rates are moving up, 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 and the British pound is the admiration of the world. Good man. How do things look from where you stand? Bit chancy, I'd say. The wind's coming up and the glass is falling. Don't like the look of it. Good, good, good. Banks, shouldn't wonder if you weren't staring into a nasty piece of weather. Banks! We've gotten really good at this, at keeping track of the passage of time. Uh, This is a picture of of an atomic clock that is now at Greenwich. They don't have to worry about springs and gears anymore. They can track how time moves based on the decay of atomic particles. It's crazy. To the microsecond, the nanosecond. We, We almost live by how we measure time. 
I, I wonder if that was about like your neighborhood last night with all the fireworks going off. I, it's amazing that the, the character of, of Mr. Banks, of George Banks, as severe as he is, as austere and serious as he is, tolerates having a neighbor who shoots a cannon off of his roof. But he does it because it's marking time, and that's useful. And, and I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, actually. I think it's a good thing. It might even be a biblical thing to keep track of how time continues to move forward. On the screen is a verse from Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. Let's read this together out loud. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So thousands of years before ships and clocks and any of this, hundreds of years before Jesus even lived, the writer of the Psalms is asking God to help him measure time, to, to help me keep track of, of how many days I have, how many years I have, because we realize that it isn't that many, that we only have a limited number of years, a, a limited number of days. So we continue to do that. It's a godly thing that we pay attention to time in our lives. But I think where we miss it sometimes is in the second half of this verse. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I wonder as you're thinking about what this year looks like for you, what 2023 looks like, if you've made resolutions or goals and, and you have a plan for what this year could be, all of the promise and opportunity that a new year brings, that it's a good thing to, to, to recognize that. But are the goals you're making, the plans you're making for this year to come, are they leading you into a heart of wisdom? Are they plans that you're making that are going to grow your capacity to live a wise life? And I even wonder what comes to mind when you hear that word. How would you define the word wisdom? Because we, I think we can all agree it's, it's different than, than intellect or, or intelligence. It's certainly far more than, than knowing a bunch of information about clocks that's now taking up brain space for me. That's not wisdom. That's just information. So there's something more to wisdom than, than intelligence or, or information. Maybe what comes to mind is uh, the story from our Bible reading for today, when we talk about the wise men who, who visit Jesus after his, his birth, and why they might be considered wise, where they come from. Uh, happy Epiphany, by the way, if, you didn't, if no one's wished you Happy Epiphany yet, uh, it's on Friday. Epiphany is the date on the church calendar when we traditionally celebrate the end of the 12 days of Christmas. So it's still Christmas, that's why we haven't taken down decorations yet. It's not because we were uh, all tired last week and didn't want to take down decorations. It's still Christmas, and so we can leave things up. But Epiphany is when on the church calendar, tradition has said, we're going to celebrate the end of the 12 days of Christmas because that was when the wise men visited Jesus. It was 12 days after he was born. Now, church tradition has, has added a whole bunch to these Christmas stories. We've been taking a closer look at Christmas all Advent long during Christmas Eve. We've been taking a closer look at these stories, kind of peeling back the layers of tradition that has added to the story that's actually in the Bible. Because the Bible doesn't actually tell us when the wise men visited Jesus. If you have your Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter 2. This is the place in the Bible where we learn about the wise men or the magi as they're written down. And it just simply says, after Jesus was born. It doesn't, say, it doesn't give us a specific date. And then there's another part of church tradition that tells us that there were, there were three wise men, three magi. But the Bible doesn't tell us how many people there actually were who visited Jesus. It does tell us that they gave three kinds of gifts, 
gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but it doesn't necessarily equate to that being three people. Can you imagine if it literally was three people, one gift per person? How would that conversation go as they're packing up and getting ready to leave? You know, one of them turns to the other, hey, we got to get ready to go. We're packing up. What did you bring for the Messiah? What gift are you going to bring? Oh, I, I brought him frankincense. What'd you get him? I brought myrrh. Isn't that great? Wow, we kind of got this thing going on. Spices, anointing oil. That's cool. Incense. We're on a theme here. That's great. Where's Jimmy? He's always, Jimmy is the other wise man. I've made up his name is Jimmy. He's always late. He's holding us up. We got to go. Jimmy finally shows up. Hey, Jimmy, we're getting ready to go. What gift did you bring for the Messiah? We brought frankincense and myrrh. What'd you bring him? It's not important. Oh, come on. I'm sure it'll be, he'll love it, whatever it is. He's, he's the son of God. He's going to love it no matter what. As long as it's not drumming, he's going to love it. Well, uh, I brought him gold. <laughs> Seriously? Just gold? Gold. Like a bar of gold for a toddler? That's great. What happened to the $20 limit, Jimmy? <laughs> so we don't know exactly how many wise men there were. Uh, it could have been three, sir. Uh, some church traditions, again, stick with that number 12, 12 days, 12 wise men. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. So we also don't know where they came from. The Bible just simply says they came from the east. And that's all the information we have. So uh, on Friday, I was driving around and I was rehearsing this sermon. I like to drive if I can and just uh, rehearse it out loud in the car. And I just drive around and wherever my car goes, that's where I end up. And then I figure out how to get home later. Uh, and I ended up out in Bondurant, Altoona, driving on back roads, rehearsing. And, and maybe you're new to Ankeny this morning. You're, you've just moved to the area. You're checking out church. And now you know a lot more about clocks than you used to. You're welcome. You might not know, where is Bondurant? Never heard of it before. And so you're asking somebody who's from Ankeny, hey, where is that? And we would say, well, it's east of here, a few miles. That's the basic information that the Bible gives us is that they're simply from the east. So we have this, these traditions that have added a lot. There's even that song about the, the wise men. We three kings of Orient are. So the first line of that song seems to have gotten three things wrong about this whole story. They, they, they're we don't know if there were just three. They weren't kings. And the Orient is like, that's the Far East. There's no evidence to tell us that that's how far they came. It just says that they came from the East. So anytime I end up with more questions than answers about these stories, because they are fascinating. You know, why would we invest time in learning about these wise men? Well, imagine if that could be the story of your life. If, if, if when, you're, when you're gone, when, when the number of days that you have, have have ended and somebody remembers you, how would they describe your life? Would they say that you were a wise person? You know, when I go, it'll be, wow, Eli, he, he knew a lot about clocks. No, I would rather somebody say he was a wise person. How do we do that? Well, we can ask some wise people and get to know their lives, what it was about them that made them so wise. So when I get stuck like this, a quick look into the original languages of the Bible can help. You, this isn't hard to do. You can actually go to biblehub.com and look it up. Uh, you don't need special education to do this. It'll translate it for you. So the original Greek, Matthew was written in Greek originally, and this is what Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 says, Basileos idu, magoi apo anatolon. Now, this is amazing because it's probably where we mistranslated kings, because basileos is kings, but it's kings, behold, idu, behold. So what Matthew is writing is kings, rulers of the world, look at this. 
Do you see how important Jesus is? Because Magi, Magoi, came from the east to worship Jesus. Magi, it's the Greek word where we get uh, an old English word for mage or scholar, astronomer. People who paid attention to the created world, people who paid attention to the written word, the scriptures, they had access to what we call the Old Testament in the Bible. That was there for them to look into. People who were wise because they watched and they waited. They looked for the things that God was up to in the world around them and in the evidence that he had left for them to read and to study. And when they finally were able to recognize what they had been waiting for, they pursued that thing. More than once in Matthew chapter 2, as it's telling the story of the wise men, it says that they were overjoyed, overcome with joy when they saw the star. Not when they saw Jesus, when they saw the star. Because this thing that maybe for generations they had been researching and looking to the skies for and reading scripture about, this thing that they had been researching and, and investing their time in, it showed up. The thing that they had been watching and waiting for happened. And then they pursued that thing. They pursued it. They followed it. And that's what was credited to them as wisdom. Paying attention to what God was up to and pursuing it. So, Again, when I, when I get stuck, this is helpful. The original language is helpful, but so are other thinkers, people who have studied this a lot more than I have. Uh, I read a lot of books by Kenneth Bailey, is a, is a, a man of a um, professor. He was a historian. He was an archaeologist. Um, but what made him unique, what made Kenneth Bailey unique is he spent his entire life in the Middle East. So he taught in seminaries and colleges that were in Israel, Palestine, Egypt. He lived there for his entire adult life because he wanted to get to know this culture. Our culture doesn't have uh, magi who are astronomers following stars. And, and so he was spending his entire life there writing about what the culture would have made of this and, and historically where these things came from, this story came from. And so he also has some older lectures that I, that I thought were really neat. Um, again, they're older, and the way that they set it up, it kind of looks like he's, he's doing story time. So uh, here's a quick clip of story time with Uncle Ken about uh, where the magi came from. The very earliest commentary that we have on the stories of the birth of Jesus were written by a person who lived in Palestine. He was in the city of Caesarea, and his name was Justin Martyr. And about the year 150 A.D., he wrote a book in a, in a convert. He con had a conversation with a Jew. The Jew's name was Trypho, and so the book is called Dialogue with Trypho the Jew. And in it, he gives us our earliest commentary in the birth story of Jesus. And he says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in a cave, and to that place the wise men came from the Arabian desert. Aha. So they knew the Christians of Palestine in the second century, just 150 years after the birth of Jesus, knew that these people came from the desert. More than that, I have a friend, a British scholar, who back in the 20s went over to Jordan and uh, had time to visit a Bedouin tribe. Now, this Bedouin tribe, now they're all Muslims. But the name of the tribe is Al-Kawkabani. Kawkab in Arabic means planets. Kawkabani means planeteer, somebody who cares about or who follows the planets. So uh, this scholar, whose name was E.E.F. E. Bishop, 
asked the sheikhs, the old men of the tribe, why do you call yourselves the Kaukabani, the planeteers, the followers of the planets? They answered, our ancestors followed the planets until they found the birth of the, of the great prophet Isa, the Arabic word in the Islamic tradition for Jesus, and they offered him gifts and offered him their homage. These are Muslims, but still that tradition is remembered even though they are Muslims. I can't prove that that tradition is historically accurate, but I think it is, and I think that there's a tribe out there in the desert that remembers that great men in their tribe once very long ago that they left the Arabian desert and came and worshipped the baby Jesus. So I think we're starting to see a, a picture of what wisdom means. Paying attention, watching and waiting for what God is up to in the world around us, recognizing the signs of the things that he is doing, but also paying attention to the things that he's already done. That's why we are investing this next year in, in reading through the Bible as a church. All of Lutheran Church of Hope, all of our campuses and sites and online, we are making 2023 about reading through the Bible in a year. And you might be wondering, well, what's the benefit of that? And just reading, reading an old book, reading a religious text. When you get a chance to actually dive into the words of Scripture, the way that wise people have done, you get a sense for what God has already been up to in the world. This is the record of all of the things God has done in his interaction with humankind that can give us a glimpse into the ways that he's still active in the world today. The more you get to know this, the more you can recognize what God is up to in your life and the lives of the people around you, that this is where wisdom comes from. So that's the opportunity that we have. I was actually doing my, my Bible reading a couple of days ago as I'm getting ready for this, finishing up last year's Bible reading plan. And I was in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And if there's a, uh, maybe a way to convince you of, we have, Pastor Ashley mentioned we've got resources for this program. Um, we have a New Testament reading plan, which is the part of Jesus's life in the church. But we also have a plan that includes the Old Testament books before the life of Jesus there's a lot there. There's a lot of really wise information, but more than information, there's a lot of wise pieces of, of what God has done interacting with people in the world. So I was reading in my Bible reading in Proverbs just a few days ago. Proverbs chapter 3 is a great book, a great chapter of that proverb. Proverbs is wise sayings. That's what a Proverbs, proverb is. And so it's full of these pieces of wisdom that it wants to share with us. And this is from chapter 3. It's a little bit longer, but I uh, wanted to share it with you. It says, By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop their dew. So in this passage, what, what I recognize, what I see is that the, the characteristic of God, the quality of God that the, the writer of Proverbs is saying was present at the very beginning of everything when God is making all creation, the characteristic of God that's present is his wisdom. That God's wisdom is the thing that sparks all of creation, that, that he knits into the fabric of, of our very being and into the cosmos. That by understanding, he set the heavens in place. And so I think wise men living in the desert read this and they say, well, then we should pay attention. We should pay attention to God's creation. We should pay attention to the wisdom that God has for us because that's what he put. That's how he founded the entire world. And so it continues, this passage continues, what's in it for us? 
Let's go to the next slide. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side. Again, as you're thinking about what does 2023 look like for you, the plans that you're making, the goals that you're setting, the resolutions that that you feel excited about, that these are good things. Again, the Bible tells us, asks God, teach us to number our days. You might be having those plans and putting them on paper, and here comes Lutheran Church of Hope saying, oh, by the way, also, uh, read through the whole Bible in a year. That, that takes time. That's an investment in your time. It, it boils down to about 20 minutes a day. If you have 20 minutes a day, seven days a week, you can make it through the whole Bible in a year. And that might not sound like much, but again, you're, you're calculating how much time you have to give to the things that you think are the most important for your year. And what is the benefit of reading the Bible, of adding to what I've already got planned? You know, is, is, the, is reading the Bible going to get me a, a new job if I lose my job? Or is, is reading the Bible going to magically solve my relationship issues with my spouse or my kids or my extended family? Is reading the Bible going to put food on my table, provide for my family? The answer is actually no, it's not. Reading the Bible is not going to magically solve all of your problems. It isn't going to instantly change the circumstances of your life. It doesn't make that claim or make that promise. What it does promise is that when those things come, when you encounter the trials of life, the disasters of life, when you, if you do go through a job loss, or if you do struggle with your family, or if you're trying to figure out how to provide for your family, Whatever life throws at you, whatever circumstance gets in your way, what the Bible promises is that by investing in the wisdom that comes from this, you will not be afraid. You will still be able to sleep at night. Your your footing will still be sure. That when the wind and the waves of this life are rocking your boat, you will still be able to keep track of what God is providing for you. He will still be at your side. That's the benefit. That, that's where wisdom comes from. Not looking for this to be a, a, a magic pill that changes everything, but for a, a foundation of wisdom, a, of a wise life that, that keeps you safe, that keeps you from fear and from worry when life gets hard. In Mary Poppins, George Banks actually encounters some of the terrible storms of life. At a moment, he feels like Everything is in chaos and in turmoil. He ends up losing his job. And in one scene, he's actually thinking about and, and, and articulating curiosity about all the ways that he has invested in his life to get to where he is, the goals that he has made, the pursuits that he has chased down, the things that he has wanted, the life that he built. And all of a sudden, everything seems to be taken out from underneath him. And he wonders if all of that was wasted time. Have I wasted all of my efforts, all of my years getting to this point where I just wanted to be successful and now it's gone? 
So as he's wondering this, thankfully he has a very wise person standing next to him who helps him put things in proper perspective. Let's take a look. A man has dreams of walking with giants to carve his niche in the edifice of time before the mortar of his zeal has a chance to congeal. The cup is dashed from his lips. The flame is snuffed a borning. He's brought to rack and ruin in his prime. Life is a rum go, Governor, and that's a truth. You know what I think? It's that woman, Mary Poppins. From the moment she stepped into this house, things began to happen to me. Mary Poppins? Yes, yes, of course. My world was calm, well-ordered, exemplary. Then came this person with chaos in her wake. And now my life's ambitions go with one fell blow. It's quite a bitter pill to take. It's that Poppins woman. She did it. I know the very person you mean. Mary Poppins. She's the one what sings. A spoonful of sugar, that is all it takes. It changes bread and water into tea and cakes. You see, that's exactly what I mean. Changing bread and water into tea and cakes, indeed. No wonder everything's higgledy-piggledy here. A spoonful of sugar goes a long, long way. Have yourself a healthy helping every day and healthy up on a trouble if you ask me you know what she did i realize it now she tricked me into taking jane and michael to the bank that's how all the trouble started tricked you into taking the children on an outing yes outrageous a man with all the important things you have to do shameful you're a man of high position esteemed by your peers and when your little tykes are crying, you haven't time to dry their tears and see them grateful little faces smiling up at you because their dad, he always knows just what to do. Well, I mean, look, I, 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 I don't think say, I... Governor? You've got to grind 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 at that grindstone though childhood slips like sand through a sieve and all too soon they've up and grown and then they've flown and it's too late for you to we have an excellent opportunity today. It's a new year, and the year is full of promise. Whatever that means for you, the things that God has put it on your heart 
to invest your time in. And our hope as we continue to say how excited we are about reading through the Bible, which I know might sound, might sound silly or that we're just faking it, we're not. We're genuinely excited about this. Because even though you might not be able to see the tangible effects of reading Scripture in the moment, over time, it pays off. As you grow in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge of the things that God has for you and especially of how He has loved you, that in the pages of Scripture we read about a God who loves you with an eternal love, so much that he sent his son into this world to save you, to rescue you, to set you free, to give you a firm foundation for a good life. So that's our year coming up. And again, uh, keep checking out these resources and let us know if you need anything for your journey because we're all here to do this together as a church. Let's stand together. We're gonna pray and sing one more song with the worship team. Heavenly Father, thank you again for today. Uh, that it reminds us that you've given us a year. One more year, God, to spend with you, uh, to invest in the things that you're calling us to, to fix our eyes on, to focus on. And I pray, God, for, for perspective for each one of us uh, and that as you uh, teach us to number our days, you would lead us into a heart that grows in wisdom. We thank you, God, for, uh, for our church, for our community, that we get to do these things together. Uh, and for you, most importantly, that by your Holy Spirit, you give us this understanding. So we thank you and praise you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.